All right, welcome back to another episode of Media Monsters. We have an amazing guest today, one of our favorites for sure. She's returning guest, so hopefully you go back and check out her past episode with us uh, because that's going to give you a little bit more in-depth information and some knowledge around who Nell is as a person and what's going on over at Enticing Media, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about diving in as a media monster and working in the in the video and the audio and the media space and all of the tools we need to make those things happen. And more importantly, the tools, the thoughts, the processes, the conversations, the throwing, the yelling, uh, the breaking of things when that technology doesn't work. What I mean... <laughs> What could be better than to talk about on today's episode? So I see you already laughing now. And if you're yeah. watching, thank you. Uh, if you're only listening, make sure you go check us out at Media Monsters 1111. That's an angel number. And trust me, it won't get broken. So here it is. Now, tell me a little bit about what you were experiencing. We were just talking right before we hit the record button of like technology when it just goes awry. Oh my gosh. So if you work in this space or anyone that works in this space with technology, inevitably things will go wrong. It's just something that we have to expect, especially when we're working with so many different pieces of technology. But specifically, I was doing a client shoot this week and I experienced a couple of things that went wrong. So you know, I've got the the cameras rolling, I've got an external microphone, I've got a teleprompter, I've got all the things, right? And of course, something goes wrong. The mic cuts out, it won't stay connected to the receiver. The teleprompter is not working, we can't find the right speed, and it's it's all going wrong, right? So it's so easy in that moment, especially when you're in a client situation, to freak out. You know, it's like, cause this is like, this is my business. This is how this looks. Oh my gosh. Like I'm so embarrassed. My stuff isn't working right. What does the client think? And it's so easy to go off the deep end that it's like, how do I learn to control those reactions? Because I'll tell you when I'm in the comfort of my own home and things go wrong and I'm by myself, you don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows what goes on behind those studio doors. No, I mean, it's so, I mean, my Kenny, my husband has said so many times, I would love to be here during the day mm -hmm. to just be a fly on the wall and hear the profanity coming out of your mouth, the slamming. I mean, I have like, I've bruised my hands before because I've slammed them so hard on the desk that it's like, what are you doing? Like, why are we reacting like this? And how can we stop that from happening? Right. You know, I think that's a good, that's a good thought for like some self-care thoughts and some like real deep kind of conversations. But mm -hmm. I'm curious, how did you handle that situation with that client? Like what was your, what was your body reaction? And then how was that perceived or received yes. by the client? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, my first inclination was to tense up and, and like I said, freak out, but you know, I'm right in front of the client and I cannot do that. I just can't. So my, my first instinct in that scenario is to kind of make it funny and make it lighthearted and start, you know, 
joking around a little bit, like, oh, you know, technology today, blah, blah, blah. And make it almost like a, yeah, like a fun moment. I don't know if that makes sense, but if I can turn this into something where the client them themselves won't react and freak out and start to worry, because more than likely your client doesn't understand or know exactly mm-hmm. how you're setting things up, how what your production looks like and what you go through to get it to the final product that they see. So if they see you reacting like, oh my gosh, uh, this isn't working. I don't know what to do. Uh, scrambling to figure things out, that worry then is going to transfer to them. And the last thing that you want to do is have your client second guess that you have no idea what you're doing. Because in that situation, you are the authority. You are the quote unquote expert in what you're doing. Otherwise they wouldn't have hired you. (laughs) Right. That's why we're here. Exactly. So yeah, that's my first instinct is to kind of make it a fun moment and relatable. And fortunately in this particular scenario, my client was, had been around these situations and these scenarios before. And she said, you know what? Nobody realizes that this stuff just isn't glamorous. <laughs> right. What, yeah. What a, what a, what a great way to play it off. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I think you hit on two very important things. One is you had kind of a strategy to get yourself first and then also your client through, but then also for a client to realize that, you know, that stuff that is going to just happen. Right. Right. And here's the, the, what I would consider kind of like that third layer to that is even with you reacting that way, you also gave that client an opportunity to make sure that whatever they were going to execute for that end product was still going to be at the highest level they could, right? Because if they get in a different kind of state of mind, like I was, we were just talking, I was doing a studio session here yesterday. And if you get a vocalist in the wrong state of mind, Mm -hmm. you will never get the right performance Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. Right. Cause they're just, they're off. And so you got to kind of, in essence, kind of coach them to and through that. But I would imagine when those technology things are happening, in real time in those spaces, you might have a time crunch. You might have, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you're in in a situation where like you're in a permitted area, like we've rented this space and we only have this amount of time and like all of the things are running through your brain. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Especially when you're under that type of stress, it's mm -hmm. really important to, to think about the mindset and yeah, the state of mind that everybody's in, because it's not just about you 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 have control of the entire situation. You're also responsible for creating an energy or a space that is comfortable for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really imperative, uh, especially when you're expecting. I mean, we, we talk about all the time, you know, people automatically assume that something that goes wrong in front of the camera or the microphone can just be p- fixed in post-production. <laughs> Yep. I mean, <laughs> we'll just fix it in post. It's going to be no yeah, problem. No problem. We'll just get it in post. And that's not always the case. Certainly we'd like it to be, but that's mm-hmm. just not the way it is. So the more energy and effort that you can focus up front on what is being put in front of the camera or mm-hmm. the microphone at first to get the highest quality product you possibly can, 
that in the long run is going to save everyone so much time, less stress. Uh, and it's just going to create a better product, quite frankly. Right. And so what I hear you saying is like, be prepared, mm-hmm. yeah. be, you know, be ready and have some thoughts around that, even if mm-hmm. technology isn't, because what's the most important is getting it right at the source. Right. Yes. And what yes. you're, you're in the video space, you're talking about two different types of sources that then have to work collaboratively to make the entire project. And so yeah. making sure that the video is right and all of the things that go with video, you know, right. lighting, color, yep. space, all camera angles, distance, all, all of those kinds of things. Right. And then you have to deal with the audio. Yes. Yeah. And fortunately, after knowing you for some time, I focus more <laughs> on audio now than I ever have. So thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all of the things. And I think that, you know, that preparedness comes from a willingness to understand that nothing's going to go correctly. And all the time, I kind of equate it to a wedding planner. Um, we all know that we can plan for this, you know, most important day of our lives, we can hire the right caterer, we can hire the right florist and all of the things that come with creating the perfect wedding day, right? Mm -hmm. But it's unreasonable to think that every little aspect is going to come together perfectly as you envisioned it. So you need to be ready to pivot or understand and accept Mm -hmm. the fact that not everything's going to go exactly how you planned it. So if you can go into a video shoot or a recording session and understand those things, I think that is key in helping your preparedness along with the the actual production of everything. I mean, for instance, this week, uh, not just the microphones just weren't connecting, but I have a gimbal, a very expensive gimbal, I will say. So I feel like it should work all, <laughs> all of the time, time perfectly. All of the time. Perfectly. <laughs> yeah. And I had it. It's so, they're all so finicky. I hate gimbals. I think that anybody that works with video probably would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I had it perfectly balanced, right? It was working phenomenally. I was very proud of myself. Only took like three hours to do it. No, I'm just kidding. It was great. probably only an hour and a half. <laughs> only three? Come on. Yeah, yeah. And right in the in mid shoot, literally like doing a thing, and all of a sudden, whoop, just falls right off its axis. And I was like, "You've got to be kidding me! I'm in the I'm in the middle of a goat pasture. How am I supposed <laughs> to find?" Because <laughs> you know that's normal. How am I supposed to find? perfectly flat space where I can rebalance this thing. And I realized, you know, gimbals are supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to be on a perfect level space so that you can adjust the axis and everything like that. And I just, it came to me, I was like, you know what? It doesn't have to be perfect. I just need to get it to a point where it's functioning the way that I need it to. Mm. So that's the other thing is to realize that perfection does not exist. <laughs> yeah. There's the mic drop moment of the day. Perfection does not exist. It doesn't. You can try, but it's not going to work. So as you're kind of dealing with all these t- technical issues, and I'm really curious about the microphones, mostly because obviously I'm a big audio head and that's my <laughs> jam and what I think about all the time. Although you've taught me a lot of things about video, so I'm quickly <laughs> learning more than... 
I had knowledge of before. See, Tell this, me, is, this is a great relationship here. We're learning. Yeah. Talk about lots of learning going on. Yes. I love it. Yeah. So when you're dealing with the with the audio issues and you said connectivity, so that makes me wonder if you were using wireless microphones. Was that true? Oh, yes, of course. And uh, I realized right after this happened, I said, I need to go back to a corded mic. And as much as I don't want to, because I like the functionality of wireless and, you know, you can, somebody can be 30 feet away and we can do all of the things, but I, you know, I had a, a vision in my head. I storyboarded everything out for this particular client and it just, it wasn't working that way, even with the wireless capability. So we ended up going in a different direction that totally would have been suited by a corded mic. And you do have to also think about sacrificing convenience for mm -hmm. quality. Mm -hmm. And this was a big learning experience for that. I, I probably after this, because this was the second time I've had an issue. Uh, and you know, when you test things out at home, everything works perfectly. Always. But, uh, yeah. So I will probably definitely go back to corded after this particular scenario. And for all you non-audio people out there, copper is always better. And by copper, I mean, it's connected to something from something. See, that's good. I just learned more. Because <laughs> wireless, wireless is a challenge. And without getting all technical for you people listening and watching, it's because of our devices that we carry with us every day. It has to do with all of the wireless things going on in our phones and our tablets and our computers and our cars and mm -hmm. all of the things that are going on from waves let's yeah. all the things we can't see in the world so to speak so mm -hmm. copper is always better and i like what you said sometimes you have to sacrifice convenience for quality sure and i think that's that's a super interesting statement like what would that look like in when you're talking about it from a video space like what would you sacrifice for convenience in a video space to make sure that you had the quality shot like the money shot that you wanted? Oh, that's a really good question. So definitely first, uh, I would say the microphone situation. I mean, we know that in camera mics are, you know, that's not what we're here for, mm -hmm. basically. And so I typically when I'm in a situation like I was with this client, I use a lavalier mic or a lapel mic using the wireless mic, it obviously allows you to have the client wherever can be speaking and you can do, you just have more functionality, but I now am willing to sacrifice that convenience over the quality because like, you know, knowing you now, I realized that I did need to focus more on audio because the audio is just as important as the video quality to make a full, well-rounded product. So I would totally be willing to sacrifice that convenience to get a better product. Um, something else in the video space that I'm thinking about sacrificing convenience for. Before I had this really great gimbal that mm -hmm. I love working with, <laughs> I would have used a tripod or I would have used something else that may not have given me the best results, but allowed me to have more functionality. And I don't do that. I honestly rarely use a tripod anymore. I mm. kind of don't like the look that it provides. So stationary. I mean, yeah, you can do 
other things in post-production to make it look more interesting. But in the moment, I would rather have more. I Yeah, I just don't like that convenience of the tripod, honestly. Right. So I'd rather use a piece of equipment that I struggle with that I can make work and mm -hmm. try to connect with to make work for me to create a better product. Yeah, I love that. And part of what that combination of video and audio, and you said it perfectly, like not thinking about the audio when you're trying to spend all this time in the video. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I like tell people to go watch their favorite hero scene or their favorite war scene, or even their favorite, like most suspenseful horror driven kind of movie turn the TV or the movie on mute. Mm. Tell me yeah. if you have the same exact experience mm -hmm. of that scene. Um, and I always recommend do it with something, you know, well, like a movie you've seen a bunch of times. Right. So you know what that reaction can and will be every time, no matter what, then just hit the mute and see if you have the same experience. And yeah. we all know what the answer is, but do we think about it when we're in the creative moment, when we're, putting those pieces together and thinking about at the source, how are we making this easier on ourselves? Something that I'm thinking about always like in the audio space is like, I'll spend two hours getting set up for a session that might only run for a half an hour, Yeah, but it's because I want everything to be set up and perfect and tested and over and over and get the exact right thing because you want to know, that two hours will save me 10 to 15 hours later. Oh my gosh. It is incredible how being set up as perfectly as you possibly can be. Right. Uh, it just saves so much the stress and the time and the energy and cannot stress that enough to be prepared. And part of that preparation is realizing that things won't always work, but you'll have a backup plan in your head. Right. Yeah. So I had this experience yesterday. And so now I'm curious with your, your goat pasture shoot <laughs> that you did this week. <laughs> were there some moments when you were like, I have this thing storyboarded out. I know what I want to do. I'm going to execute this. This is my plan. Even though technology didn't work, like this is still the plan. Were you, was there ever a moment where you're like, can we just try this? Because this seems like a cooler idea or... <laughs> I oh, think yeah. I can edit this in to make it like enhance what you're doing to get your message better across to deliver whatever you're trying to do. Like, tell me yeah. about what that creative process looks for it for you in the moment. Yeah. So funny story about this, actually, I only recently started storyboarding things out because cool. I, yeah, I mean, I still question myself as to why I do, because it's something that you should do and it looks professional and the whole nine yards. However, you know, just as well as a creative <laughs> that you can, you can have all these visions and plans for how you want things to go. And mm -hmm. then you get into the space, you get in front of the subject and all of a sudden, all of that goes out the window. I, well, I was in a fit of rage, of course, because things weren't working correctly when I got home, uh, that I just, I tore up the storyboard. I literally just tore it out. <laughs> and I was like, well, none of this is working. This is all going to hell in a handbasket. So there's no point in keeping this around. But yeah, I mean, there's so many times I would say every single time I get into a mm -hmm. space, 
I reformulate. I could be in the middle of a shot and I see something out the corner, out of the corner of my eye and think, oh my gosh, go over there. That's an amazing space. Oh, the lighting is great over here. Oh my gosh, there's horses. Let's go over here. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it becomes, um, a little bit of like a, like a vegetable medley (laughs) in my brain. (laughs) I don't, and that's like the weirdest way to put it. But that's how I can describe it with all of the different colors and the textures and everything of what's happening in the moment just will inspire something totally different because you can put pen to paper, but that's all it is, is pen to paper at that moment and your thoughts. But there's nothing like getting into the actual space, seeing what the lighting looks like, what kind of lighting mood you can create, Mm -hmm. how your subject is feeling that day, what they're wearing, all of the things. So that all is, you're taking all that in as inspiration. So yeah, more often than not, do I get into a space and everything changes. (laughs) So so it makes me wonder about when you're in that moment, you're doing those things, you're thinking about your vegetable medley. (laughs) How often are you thinking about all the things in the final product and how you already know that you can get there. And if like, if I just spend five more minutes doing this or two more minutes doing this, I know that it's going to heighten this project or give this creative moment even more impact for the final product. Like how often are you thinking about that final product while you're in the moment? And does, does that, do you feel like it enhances or detracts from the moment when you're working with your subject? That's a great question. So I would say that I'm constantly thinking about the final product throughout the entire process, even though the way that it looks in my head constantly changes. So as far as the end product in mind, that Mm -hmm. starts from the very beginning when I'm having the initial conversation with the client on what they're looking for, what they're expecting, where the video is going to be placed, what platforms it's on, and all of the things that come together to make a really great looking video. Um, So the final product I'm constantly thinking about, and even, yeah, during the shoot, the beginning, during the middle, and the very end, and even afterwards, it's constantly changing. And honestly, sometimes it is a little bit of a burden because that's what we're working towards, right? Mm -hmm. Is the final product. So that's the end game. That's the goal. So the eye is always on the prize, but I do wish that sometimes I would allow myself to be a little more in the moment Mm. rather than, okay, I see this happening. I see the whole video playing out my head, but let's try this. I think that sometimes it can be a little bit of a creative blocker if you're constantly thinking about the final product. So I do wish that there were times when I wasn't so focused on that. Right. So it's like you're almost trying to produce the whole project in the moment rather than letting the moment just happen. Yeah. Because sometimes, I mean, if the moment's really great, the moment can also dictate the final product. Right. Right. Which I think is important, especially when you're talking in a collaborative space, because I think as the videographer and as the subject or the, you know, the scene that you're trying to portray, like it's a collaborative moment because it's as much about them responding to their environment as you are responding to them inside of their environment. 
like it it makes me ask like a million more questions (laughs) 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 because um i i liken it to like when somebody comes to me and like hey i have these lyrics and i have this guitar part i want you to transform this into you know a hundred track song and immediately like i have a million ideas but what i've stopped doing is thinking of the end result yeah. And I've started allowing the process to be the thing that gets me to the end result. Mm-hmm. And then I can be inspired and affected by whatever's coming at me. Now, the, mm-hmm. whatever's coming at me be like something going wrong, a technical issue, uh, mm-hmm. or like this a moment where I'm like, hey, can we try this? And I'm like, yeah, that sucked. Terrible idea. <laughs> Move on. Because those are I those are as important as like, aha moments right we have aha moments in creativity all the time which are amazing and i wouldn't give them up for the world but i also want the moments where be like that crashed and burned let's not do that again that wasn't a good direction yeah and then you know something that i do a little differently in the audio space is i invite lots of people to collaborate into a project but Mm -hmm. i specifically pick those people for a reason Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're coming in to make the right final product and by right i mean the best version of all of those people showing up creates that final product. Yeah. And I think that that's, what's cool about when you're working in the video space is working with, you know, when you're talking about, let's talk about more like the film space or the ad space, like the video team, the creative team, the visual team is different than the audio, um, which is different than sound design, which is different than sound effects. Right. Yes. So like those are a team of, getting the right people all together to do the best version of them, which ultimately brings the best product for your client. Yeah. And so absolutely. I think all of those technical things that happen are great bumps in the road and opportunities for creativity. Oh, for sure. And I mean, those, those times when you try something, something doesn't work out. I mean, in the video space, I like to call it, we call that the blooper reel, (laughs) you know, that's more content for all you media (laughs) monsters out there. Exactly. I don't know why we're cutting and throwing these clips on the cutting room floor. It's like, save all of this because people enjoy the reality and the authenticity behind what you're doing. I mean, who doesn't love watching a blooper reel on Instagram of somebody trying to film this perfect video? And then all of a sudden something just goes awry, something falls over, or they say something that just comes out completely incorrectly. Or, I mean, it's just, it's human. Right. And it's comical. Yeah. For the people who are watching, not necessarily for the people in the moment, but how many, like you said, accounts out there, are there like, this fails, this didn't go well, or blooper videos, or like, right? We've already (laughs) been programmed in for decades, right? The 80s came out with America's Funniest Home Videos. Was that not just the... The precursor to the blooper videos that we see on TikTok oh, and so Instagram. True. Any real now? Yeah. It's just the grown up new technology version of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's so true. I so um Kenny and I have a travel blog on YouTube. And one thing that I really, really wanted to make sure that we included in a lot of our videos, not every single one, but uh, we include bloopers at the end of our videos. 
And one I can remember in particular. So, I mean, what we do on our travel vlog is by no means a high quality production. <laughs> it's literally us holding a camera and filming ourselves doing what we're doing as we're traveling in the moment. But we were on a ranch in Hawaii, the Kualo Ranch, which is where parts of the Jurassic Park film were produced. And so we were on a tour and I had this idea for the opening of the vlog and they gave you like this little plastic dinosaur that they would hold in front of the camera and like, kind of run with the camera as though the dinosaur were chasing you. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh. So like, this is what we're doing for the opening of the video. And I think what happened was we were doing this and I just like, I was running and I just fell, just completely fell. Perfect. Like flat on my face. And I was like, well, yeah, no, we can't put that in the opening. Like that doesn't really work, but there's no reason why we can't put this in at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds terrible, but people love to watch other people fall flat on their faces. <laughs> yeah, it is hilarious. I mean, painful, but hilarious. It's painful, but it's hilarious. And it's also reality. Right. I mean, we talk about authenticity all the time. And I've consistently talked about how I don't edit for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, right. I edit to highlight people's stories and show that authenticity. And... Mm -hmm. There's so many times when we focus way too much on the stuff around the production that really doesn't matter a whole lot. Right. Let's make sure we tell the listeners what that travel blog vlog is <laughs> so that we can find it and they can watch and listen as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the travel vlog is on YouTube. It's called Kenny and Nell. And uh, we've been travel vlogging for well since the end of 2019. So there's a few videos in there that aren't necessarily travel related, you know, because pandemic, but, uh, you know, it's mostly a travel vlog. <laughs> we call those staycations, right? That was the travel yes. vlog of the 2020s. That's right. That's a really good way to put it. It's staycation travel, travel vlog of 2020. I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm just over here going with I'm gonna the gonna go rename that. <laughs> you can go rename those episodes. And if you know anything about Nell, she's always in there making sure that the SEO is perfect and the tags and the keywords and the titles. I great. SEO is the bane of my existence. Um, but I'm always I'm always going in there redoing, retrying keyword research. Um, and here's uh, how I know, because we'll I took a mini course from Nell. And by that, I mean, we had a 15 minute conversation and she told me all of these things. And I'm like, You're giving me a headache and I don't have any more hair to rub off. So I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to try. Maybe this is why it. my hair is getting thinner too. Yeah, exactly. She's pulling it out and ripping it and throwing stuff across the room. Well, Nell, it was a pleasure having you on here again as always. Um, I, I appreciate it. I don't know if I'm really that great of a stand-in for Danny, but I don't know. I'll do my best impression. Rawr. Oh, media monsters. that was a very small <laughs> kitty. Like, we need the lion's roar. Rawr. See, there it is. You, It was perfect. <laughs> You're just missing the, like, the long, flowing Jesus hair, and that's okay. But that's there's only well, one Danny. There's only one Danny. There is only one Danny, and this is what SEO does to you. So There you go. So... <laughs> 
just to let you know, uh, if you're watching this, thank you so much. If you're just listening on your audio platforms, make sure you head over to Media Monsters 1111 on YouTube to subscribe, like, hit the little bell notification so that every time a new episode drops that you are getting that little ding in your inbox. Also, if it's still fall time when you're hearing this, um, we're coming up on that silly thing they call Black Friday. Monumental Voice Media is running their Launch Your Podcast course for ten dollars so make sure you check that out and hit us up if you have any more questions other than that keep on being a media monster and get out there and build some more media 